Welcome back to the Make or Break show, where each week we bring you stories of incredible makers and the make or break moments that have defined them along the way. I'm your host, Brandon Cullum, and this week we chat with Patrick Adair from Patrick Adair Designs. The only thing wilder than the materials he uses to create highly unique custom rings is the business he has built around it. All right, guys, welcome back to the show. Hope your week is doing great and you've got some fun things that you are working on. Uh, This is the uh, first episode after our year mark. So I thank you guys that have been um, along the journey. Uh, This has been fun. Uh, We have put out quite a few episodes and we've talked to a lot of really fun people. And uh, that would not be possible without your guys' support. And so thank you specifically uh, to the awesome supporters over on Patreon. And if you guys would like to support the show, you can head over to Patreon dot com forward slash make or break show there's a bunch of different award levels a bunch of different things you guys can get uh you guys can help fund this and uh make this go forward or if uh you don't want to do that that is totally fine but if you would like to support the show uh a rating and review over on itunes is uh, is absolutely amazing All right, so jumping into this week's interview we are chatting with patrick adair from patrick adair designs this this one was pretty nuts. Uh, I saw his stuff popping up uh, here recently, and this was kind of my first foray into the ring community. Uh, not like the gold, silver, like traditional wedding ring community, but like the maker ring community. Uh, this stuff is nuts. Like, uh, I encourage you guys to go check out his Instagram right now. Um, you're going to find rings that are made out of things like Damascus steel, fossilized mammoth tooths from Siberia, meteorites. Uh, and tons of these glow rings that literally glow in the dark uh, when the lights go out. Uh, he made his first ring out of carbon fiber uh, using literally just a Dremel. And so uh, his his background and his history is really cool. Um, he is only 21, and he's got nearly 20 people working for him producing these rings as a full-time business. And so not only is he making really cool things, but on the business side of things, he actually has three different business models wrapped around this product, um, which is pretty wild. And so he is absolutely killing it, especially going into this uh, Christmas season. So without further ado, let's jump into our interview with Patrick. All right, guys, want to welcome you back to the Make or Break show. We're hanging out with Patrick today, calling in from Utah, uh, way over. Uh, I'm on the East Coast, so uh, a little bit, a little bit different. But man, I'm, I appreciate you uh, you jumping on and uh, and chatting with us. Excited to get into your your journey. Yeah, of course. Thank you so much for having me on. Uh, all right, so I came across your stuff. I, I've seen your your ring videos before, but I don't think I put two and two together. And I was okay. listening to the most recent uh, Making It podcast, and um, they were talking just about the crazy rings uh, that you're making, and they kept listing materials. And I was like, my gosh, like this is this is nuts what he's what he's making. But uh, before we get into it, how many mm-hmm. rings do you wear? Like in a given given time. Personally, yeah. I usually wear two rings. Okay. And depending on the time, like sometimes like I get annoyed of rings. It's, yeah. I don't know. It sounds kind of funny, but like I'll just take off all my rings for like two days. Yeah. But like it just depends. I I like to wear a ring that like is recent that I've made that I like. And then I usually just have a couple of like classic ones that are, whether they're made with like precious metals or something, ones that are just a little more high end that I like to wear more often. So which one do you, I'm not going around wearing 10 rings. <laughs> yeah, I was like, <laughs> I was like, you're like a, like a rapper with just like tons of rings hanging off. Uh, bling and Heck yeah. uh what's, um, what's your like most, your go-to one or what do you think is the one you, you've worn the most? 
That's kind of tricky. Like it, it kind of like depends. But um, one of my one of my first YouTube videos is probably like my third or fourth video. I was making a ring out of marble, copper, and carbon fiber. Okay. And the way it turned out, and this was clear back when I was just barely, barely getting started and learning. Um, it turned out like just awesome. And it's one of the rings that I made back then that I still like today. Most of them, I'm just like, um, and a lot of the simple ones, you know, you can't go wrong with, you know, just simple straight up material rings. But that was one that was like, this was complicated. I spent a lot of time working on it and actually turned out good. So it's more of like a sentimental thing, I think more than anything. Yeah. But like, it's also comfortable. I like, it's a carbon fiber base, so it's super lightweight. So that's cool. Uh, I wear that a lot. Yeah. Yeah. So before we get into all the the crazy rings and stuff, uh, I would love to get into your background Mm -hmm. a little bit. And um, were you like, were you making stuff as a kid? Like, did you have tools and you're playing around with stuff or kind of like, what were were you like growing up? Yeah. So I've, I've always been like a super like crafty little kid, you know, not, not doing anything crazy. And I hardly had any tools, but I was always doing whatever I could. So whether it was like paper mache or one of the first things I did when I was probably like 15 or something was, do you know Dead Mouse? Yeah, the yeah, yeah. EDM artist. I was making a just replicas of his Dead Mouse head that he wears okay. and selling them on eBay. And that's since become like a big business where people a lot more talented than me <laughs> make a lot better ones yeah. for a good price. But there was a like a golden age back then where I was making these and I'd put like a good 20 or 30 hours into them, but they wouldn't cost me much to make. And you could sell them for like 500 bucks. And so that was awesome for me as just a kid. And so I've just always loved, first of all, just entrepreneurial type stuff. The fact that you can make something and sell it for a profit. Like I love that. And then I also love working with my hands. So I've always grown up, just kind of been like exactly what you'd expect out of someone like me who (laughs) makes rings for a living and sells them, you know? So kind of just the typical cliche, but I like it. That's cool. So was it paper mache that that you're making? Um, The the first one was paper mache. So it was pretty much just like a pinata, but I sold that for 500 bucks and I was blown away. Yeah. But you know, it was, it was definitely a tier or two above a pinata and I I wired it up, had LED lights Uh, in it, batteries, EL wire around the edge. So it was, it was pretty neat, but I, I upgraded to, you know, using like plastic. So I'd buy the the balls that they put around like street lamps that cities will buy. Okay. And so they're kind of tricky to find, but I eventually sourced some and actually able to make some stuff that fairly closely resembles the one that he's actually wears. And I found the guy who makes a lot of his helmets for him. And it's kind of the same thing, you know, he doesn't get them made by some, you know, magical factory. They're just handmade, but made really well. So mine obviously weren't anywhere near as cool, but how are you still worked? Yeah. How are you like figuring all that out? It was just, you know, step by step, like I, I went and I'd buy foam board, that stuff that is, you just buy at the craft store, just, it's got a really shiny, glossy surface. So I use that for the ears. And so I just go to the store and figure out something to use. And then there's some really ugly seams. So it's like, what do you use to fill seams? And you just use the, you know, silicone sealant like you do yeah. in like a bathroom. So just figuring it out step by step, every version would get better and better. Yeah. And that's very similar to how I make my rings too. So yeah, yeah. Just learning. So even on like the electronic side of things, like mm-hmm. were you, were you like just looking up YouTube videos? Um, like how were you yeah, figuring out? Yeah. Do you know Kip K on YouTube? Yeah. He was kind of like huge back in the day and he got me super interested into 
just little small electronic stuff like soldering. You know, I'd watch his videos and I, it's like, oh, that's so cool. I want a soldering iron so bad. So I got one and, you know, nothing I was doing was very crazy. Just a battery pack that would power an EL wire. And so just have to connect the connections on that. I had LEDs to light up where you, so you could actually see while you're wearing it that would come out of the bottom of the mask. And those were more high powered. So I had to figure out the right voltage. And then there were some LEDs that weren't quite as bright that lit up the eyes. So just like very simple stuff, but you just have to know, you know, like the, the worst thing that could go wrong was I used the wrong battery and blow out an LED Yeah, and they're really cheap. So right, right. just very basic stuff, but I just loved getting into that and learning as I went. That's cool. So in high school then, like, were you into the math and science side of things, like on the school side? Yeah, I, I've, I do pretty well. Math, I think, was, was something that, like, I don't know. It's it's kind of tricky that a lot of creative people just, like, really didn't like that. But I feel like, I don't know, I, I did like the more math and science subjects, and I do okay in them. And I also just loved the creative stuff. So I'd be in, have two pottery classes in my school schedule just oh, for cool. fun, you know. So I don't know. I just, I liked school. I liked building stuff. I'm just, I don't know, I'm. I'm someone that's like really interested in a lot of things. Yeah. What was the like the craziest thing you built like in high school? High school, I'd say it's probably those dead mouse heads. Okay. I, I was in like a robotics class and we'd build like some really cool like robots designed to crawl upstairs. And I made something that looked straight out of a zombie movie the way it like claw its way up yeah. the stairs. And that, that was just a lot of fun just messing around with that. We used it's called Vex Robotics. So there's a lot you can do with that. We did a bunch of different projects. That was a ton of fun. And then my senior year of high school, that's when I got into rings. I did a Kickstarter for uh, just a really simple ring Kickstarter. Yeah. So uh, before getting into the rings on the robotics side, mm-hmm. was that was it like was that for competition? That that style of um, robotics, or was it more just kind of learning? robotics in there there was competitions like you go i can't remember I, I never actually went to one but there's there's like a specific competition that the i think it's like the vex company actually runs or has and you can buy i think the competition they do is you build a robot and you're basically you got your your versus another player and so you're trying to pick up the blue balls and put them onto their side and they're got trying it. to get the red balls and put them on yours and you're trying to basically just get as many balls on the other person's half as you can. Um, I'm probably explaining it poorly, but that's basically no, no, yeah. the general idea. Yeah, I think, so, I, I think I've seen those videos. Okay, okay. So I, yeah, I never ended up going to any of the competitions. We I just stayed within school gotcha. and did our projects within that. But yeah. That's cool. So all right, so the rings started in high school, it sounds like. Correct, yeah. So I was in, this is my senior year, and I'd always loved Kickstarter. I thought, you know, I, you, you heard me earlier, like I love the idea of making something and selling it, making a profit. I think that's awesome. And Kickstarter is just kind of like the holy grail of that. And it, at least it was in my opinion back then. So that was awesome. And I wanted to do something. And so I'd spend so much time just browsing through it and seeing cool stuff that I liked. And I noticed that carbon fiber and titanium were two materials that people really seem to like. Those are materials that are you know, when you think about them, you're like, oh, these are high tech and they're really good quality. So everyone likes those. And I think Kickstarter really uh, attracts those types of people who are looking for high quality handmade items rather than just your run of the mill, just plastic mold injected parts made in China yeah. sort of a thing. So um, 
I just bought carbon fiber because I looked into machining carbon fiber and titanium and carbon fiber was a lot cheaper to get into as far as machining things. You don't need a lathe or a mill or whatever. So I just bought a block of carbon fiber, messed around. I made a couple of different things and I found out a ring was pretty easy to make. And so I was like, all right. And at this time, I literally, the only tool I had was a Dremel, like no joke. I, you know, I had like a jigsaw and stuff, but the only tool I was using to make these rings was a Dremel. And so I just hacked out a piece of carbon fiber. I jammed it on the end of the Dremel. So it'd be spinning around and I just held it up against a sanding block until it (laughs) made itself round. So like super, just as, as bare bones as it gets. Yeah. But, and so that's how I calculated my pricing. I was like, if I'm going to make minimum wage and I make them with just the Dremel, I can sell them for this much and still like break even. And right. it won't really be worth my time. I might as well be working at Taco Bell, but it's fun. And so I'd rather do that. And so I did that. And I was under the assumption that there would be a much better and faster way to make them, which was correct. I was able to buy ring making materials and crank them out a lot better. But that was how it got started. I, I got the idea. I was like, I know I can make this work and make minimum wage. And so I just made a very simple video, very simple product page. And I think I, from the time that I make the ring and the time that I submitted the project to Kickstarter was under 24 hours. So it was just a super simple thing that I just wanted to get posted. So how did that, uh, well, first off, with Kickstarter, why were you, mm-hmm. um, like, why'd you do the Kickstarter route versus maybe like, like a, um, an Etsy or like a straight like selling just one one by one products. I think I was attracted to seeing these products that would blow up and you know raise three hundred thousand dollars just okay super quick you know so I I and I was you know super naive back then I realized that most campaigns to get that require tons and tons of advertising and other hard work behind the scenes. But I knew that I could just post something on there. And that was, I think, my best shot at getting a quick, uh, you know, I had no audience, I had no following, so I had no one to post it there. And so there are great alternatives like Etsy, but that's something that's more of like a long-term thing. Like I can sell one ring and then next week maybe sell another, you know, and that's just like over the months, I'll maybe sell the same number of rings. But I just wanted to get something started and Really just, I liked Kickstarter more than anything else. So I was just yeah. interested in that. Yeah, yeah. All right. So if I've, I forgot, is, was it Razor Ring? Was that the Kickstarter? Yeah. Okay. Yeah, that's what it's called. So, so it looks like you got a little over five grand yeah. uh, raised. What was your, what was the goal I was trying to see? I think a thousand. And my, my oh. thinking for that was I want it to be four digits to make it look like this is like a legitimate <laughs> cool company. You know, if yeah, it's, yeah. if it's a hundred bucks, you're like, this is some kid in his basement, which it was, but yeah. So, all right. So, so you are, you are that kid in the basement, you get the carbon fiber, then you Mm -hmm. put up a Kickstarter the next day. Uh, like, did you expect at all, like to hit the goal much less? I mean, five exit. Um, I was really hoping to get a thousand. I I thought like, I think it can be done. And I just was looking and seeing, I, you know, I was researching the carbon fiber and titanium and I looked and I was looking at ratios of, different things that I could search and what percentage of them was actually funded. And so when I searched carbon fiber, I think it was over 50% of those funded. And there was other, like a a similar ring that was made out of the tubes of carbon fiber that they make. So they just chop off a piece of a tube and that makes it a ring, obviously. Right. And that had done, I think like $10,000 and it was a simple, fairly basic one that was more impressive than mine. But I just thought, you know, I, I hope this can get a thousand and if it's much under than, 
under that, it's probably not really worth my time. So that's cool. That was just my thinking with that. Yeah. Yeah. So, uh, I always hear like core stories, uh, like you get the cool, like mm-hmm. Kickstarter projects, but then like the fulfillment is always like the super hard part. Um, yeah. was it, was it hard? Cause it, you almost had to switch into like a manufacturing mode. Like, was that difficult to like, to yeah, go through the it kick- was, it was tricky. And I was leaving to do summer sales for a security company within okay. a couple of months. And so I, um, I, I got more orders than I was expecting, obviously, with the 5,000. I was I was hoping for like two or 3,000 was like okay. my, my goal and what I planned for. And so I, you know, just had a ton of rings to make. And so I, I was spending, especially leading up to when I was about to leave for the summer, just spending a ton of time getting everything done as fast as I could. And it was, it was a lot simpler. Most projects are getting something manufactured in China, which... Um, we are just barely as a company kind of getting into that for some of our other products. And, you know, that, that is just a logistical, not a nightmare, but like a a huge undertaking. So you gotta, you gotta find someone you can either talk to a ton of different factories, which is really tricky and communication is very hard, or you can find someone who is a person who does that for a living. So you talk to them and they know what factories would be good for you. And so, you know, that's just a huge undertaking. You got to get prototypes. The first prototypes always got something wrong with it. And so you give, submit a correction and they send another one and they misunderstood you. And so going through that, like it's, it's such a typical thing that you see with so many Kickstarters to actually get them fulfilled on time is like really kind of like a rare thing for a lot of the ones that go a lot bigger than were planned. Yeah. So where I was just making them and my plan was to make them with a Dremel, you know, I, it was, it was a lot simpler and that's the way I kind of wanted to start out and just learn. To me, it was, it it really was the, the uh, attitude that I had was I want to do a big Kickstarter one day, but the best way to learn is probably to just do a small Kickstarter. Yeah. And so that was the whole attitude of it. So it was really just kind of like, Hey, maybe I can make a few dollars learning how to do a better Kickstarter. So, yeah. Yeah. So you, uh, so this was 20, is that 2015? Was that your Kickstarter? Okay. Um, so did you, from that success know like, Hey, this could be a a business that I could actually like go into, or you're like, I need Um, to go to college and do all this kind of stuff. Or what was that next step after high school? Yeah. So I, I was going to college, like, school I like, and I think it's something that's great that people should do. And so, you know, I have a a good attitude towards it and I wanted to go and graduate, but I was totally open to doing my own thing, obviously. And so I was, you know, I went out and I did that salesman thing for that whole summer. And I came back and I was going to school at the U of U and I was living on campus. So I was in school to be an engineer, which is another thing that I'm kind of interested. I told you, like, I'm kind of into math and science kind of stuff. So I'm just, I don't know, I'm really interested in a lot of things, but on the weekends I would go and make rings and originally, and you know, you probably do this a lot with the project. If, w- when you're going into it, you have this idea in mind. And then six months down the road, you're like, what was I thinking? And, like it's, it's completely different. So I originally wanted to be a website that was kind of like a curation of a lot of different carbon fiber products. And some of the products I would make and some of them I would source from other people. Okay. But obviously evolved into something completely different. That was just, you know, that requires a lot of capital if you want to get products and making a a business like that where your profit margins are going to be really slim if you're just reselling other people's stuff. 
is, you know, it takes a lot of capital and a lot of work to get into. And so naturally, because that was hard, I obviously kind of failed at it. I didn't even, you know, I, I had the website up where I sold my ring and I'm pretty sure that's about it. And so obviously that wasn't really going anywhere. And so naturally I was just kind of making rings on the weekend for fun. And I would post my just projects and stuff I do to Instagram. And I was trying to get like a following there and I'd get people to be like, Hey, could you do this for me? And the way that I would do things would, I actually did auctions on Instagram, which is kind of weird to a lot of people who have never seen it, but you just post on Instagram, Hey, this is an auction comment, what you're willing to pay. And so people would literally just be bidding in the comments. I'll pay $30. The next person will say 33 and then it goes up from there. Yeah. And so that was just my way of funding my hobby that I do on the weekends. I, I, you know, I had no money. I was just a student who, you know, literally like going in debt to go to school. You know, I I had zero extra money. So it was just whatever I could do to get by. So it's like, I want to buy coral and put it into a ring. This was something like I'd be on eBay all the time, just looking at really weird, cool materials that I wanted to incorporate into rings. And so I just say like, Hey, I'll make you a custom ring out of any material and then people would say what they're willing to pay. And it'd be like maybe 50 bucks for a ring that I'd spend 10 or 12 hours on over the weekend. Yeah. And so not something that was worth my time, but it was, I was losing a lot less money because I got that 50 bucks. So, you know, I was, I was really happy about that. The end result was that I didn't get to keep the ring. I had to ship it to the customer, but that's not the end of the world. And so I was able to do that. And I just naturally started, you know, people would bid more and more every single week that I do an auction And pretty soon I was like, Hey, I'm actually making like a decent hourly wage doing this. So I want to try to, and I was still in school. And so pretty soon summer came up and then during the summer, that's when I kind of went a little more hardcore. And I was like, I want to see if I can try to make this into something bigger, something more profitable, an actual business. So that's when I got into that. And that's, um, it just kind of naturally progressed to that. And I was able to just make kind of a, I was able to get by, you know, I was living with my parents and I was making enough money that I could kind of, you know, I could have a car, I could go out and eat, I could go travel, hang out with friends, you know, stuff like that. So I was, I was getting by maybe making like $30,000 a year or something during that summer. And so I was just like, wow, this is really cool. And I can see a lot of potential to it. So like already I'm making enough that I can live with my parents and, and live a semi-regular lifestyle. So I was like, I'm going to really try to grow this. And so that's when I took a year off school and I was like, I'm going to spend this year doing that. If it doesn't go so well, I can always go back. If it goes well, I can just keep doing it for however long I want. So yeah, that's, that is crazy. Uh, okay. So, uh, I definitely want to get more, I guess, into the business piece in a minute. Mm-hmm. Um, but going back to, cause it kind of sounded like you, like a bunch of different things and like you mentioned like mm-hmm. like building a bunch of different products but the rings have stuck um is that because like you're like oh i actually can build like a business around this or like is it just because hey people are telling me or people are buying these things off of instagram so why would i not keep keep making them yeah it's kind of all that you know like i like making things you can do a million and one different ring designs so I'm yeah. never going to run out of fun new things to do with rings. So I, I don't really mind the fact that I'm kind of uh, stuck in my ring genre. Um, but I, I do, you know, I definitely like 
building and creating other things. And so it's kind of something where I'm like, yeah, I'd like to like expand and be able to do other things. But rings is something that as a company we're really good at and we know works. So it's something that I'm just like, yeah, I'm, I'm slowly getting into other things. It's more of like a hobby, but the rings is kind of like a formula that we know and love and something that even though it is kind of a very specific thing, it's something that you can get as creative as you can imagine. So yeah, definitely don't yeah. mind it. So where did you start um, like looking for materials? Like you mentioned, like you were looking on eBay mm-hmm. um, and you've, I mean, you've gotten some pretty insane stuff in a ring. Um, like how would you find stuff? Would you just start um, s- search online? So there's a, yeah, there's, there's kind of two different ways. There's actually like a, a fairly large ring makers community on Instagram. And okay. then along with that, there are ring maker suppliers. And so the suppliers are doing a lot of work curating and even making materials for people to make and all of the ring stuff. That's kind of like even a sub genre of knife, the knife community. Okay. The, like if you didn't know the knife community is huge people. Oh yeah. Yeah. You know, they'll, they'll use any material in a knife and they make beautiful, awesome things. And rings are just kind of, they're they're definitely, you know, they're completely different, obviously, but they are very closely related to that. And so there is kind of a community there. And so you'd see just other creators, what they're doing. You'd see these suppliers come out with these new cool materials. And then just like eBay, I love eBay. I'm always buying weird stuff on there. And so that was something (laughs) where I'm naturally like getting stuff. And I'm someone, you know, like I've said twice already, I'm, I'm really interested into a lot of things. Right. And so I had been on eBay and wanted to buy meteorite before I wanted to make a ring out of it. I was like, that's just cool. I want some meteorite. So just that's anything like that. I just liked already. Yeah. Yeah. What's, what's the craziest thing you've bought on eBay? Like to put in a ring? Um, one of the weirdest was not necessarily the material being weird, but the transaction itself was a (laughs) really weird, sketchy listing from Siberia for an entire mammoth tooth. And it was, uh, I know it's just crazy. And and mammoth tooth, obviously that's a really weird material to make rings out of. So it's definitely a contender for one of the coolest materials just in general, but also just that listing of just this weird eBay listing from this Siberian eBay seller who, their posts aren't written in perfect English and it's just kind of like, what am I getting myself into? And you pay like 700 bucks and you're getting a package from the, like, I don't know. It was just wrapped in like Russian newspaper and like, <laughs> I don't know, it shows up and you're just like, wow, like this went through hell and back to get here. So I don't know. It was just crazy. It shows up and we made a ring out of it and it was just, I don't know. It was a lot of fun. That's cool. Uh, do, you, do you ever gotten like stuff locally, like through Craigslist and stuff? Um, one thing, one thing that I, there's a, uh, like a landmark near where I live. It's called like suicide rock and everyone okay. goes and climbs this. It's just this huge rock that just sticks out of this little like mini basin like Valley where there's kind of like freeways going around it. And it's a super popular like graffiti spot not really for like artists but for just stupid teenagers who want to go spray paint a rock (laughs) and so you climb it's i think it sticks into the air like a hundred feet you climb that and there's like caked on there like a entire inch of spray paint in some spots okay and so i was taking pieces of that and trying and i never actually this was before i had a vacuum in or a vacuum chamber that i could infuse these pieces with resin okay and so they were too brittle and not workable enough to make rings out of. 
but it's something that I could theoretically do now. I still have a ton of it in like a bag somewhere, but um, I've kind of transitioned to Fordite, which is, um, it's also called, I think like Detroit agate. And it's literally just overspray from car manufacturers that builds up and it'll build up to be a couple inches thick. And it's just incredible. It's high quality paint, you know, car paint. So they, it looks really cool. You've got awesome vibrant colors with the metallic pearl that you see in the car paints all the time. And so it's just this really cool material that you stack up and with all the different layers, they're just super colorful and fun. And so that was something that, (laughs) I mean, I'm not doing it locally now, but it's theoretically possible that I could go over and use that paint. I could probably resin stabilize it now and make some stuff out of it. Other than that, I mostly, you know, it's a lot easier for me to just jump on eBay and where I'm making rings that are so small, the material costs are a lot lower. So even if I could go to a local guy and get some really cool, like lumber, it like, it'd be like $5 of wood from him. Yeah. And, and maybe yeah, yeah. I spend $15 for it on eBay. I, that, that's not really yeah. um, a big cost. Mm, yeah. Like, that, that yeah. Rings are fairly cheap, especially if it's not more like exotic materials. So the, at least the material for a lot of them. So as far as that goes, there, there is a, a carbon fiber manufacturer, one of the, one of the cooler, I don't know, they're, they're a huge company and they do awesome stuff for a lot of really big companies a lot of companies that they're not able to actually disclose because i know you you know carbon fibers used a lot in like spaceships yeah, jets, oh yeah airplanes all that like so they got a lot of really cool contracts with big companies and we actually did a factory tour with them recently made a video and then made a ring out of some of their stuff so was that the the forged carbon fiber was um that, no that's or that that's another guy? guy who's actually from like idaho nearby so he's really cool he's in New York now with his own company and I know that's kind of its own thing, but he, I don't know. He's, he's a huge inspiration to me. He's an awesome guy that I like, but that's cool. We were just doing more standard regular carbon fiber. Got it. Got it. Okay. Um, so for people that aren't in like the ring world, Mm -hmm. uh, I would say probably one of the things that would stand out the most if they just scroll through your Instagram is like any of like your glow rings. Mm -hmm. Um, what, like when was the first time you were exposed to that like idea that you can make something glow that's not electronic or um, like just naturally entering? I can't. Uh, this is probably the the glow itself. I I think I got just from the ring community itself. There's a lot of suppliers okay. selling. I think the the first person I remember was a company called Beyond Wood Products, and they were mixing resin with wood to make cool like hybrid stuff that you could make whatever you want out of it. But they also because they did so much resin, they're like, Hey, we're going to make these glow sheets that you can buy. And so they just pour out some resin. They'd mix in pigment as well as glow powder and turn it into just like a sheet of plastic that glows in the dark. And so I bought a few of those, had a lot of fun making them, but I pretty soon wanted to look into it a little bit more myself. And so I went and I just found the, uh, the actual product that they use. It's called strontium illuminate. It's just a powder and you can, find it on eBay. We even sell it on our supply store now. So it's a fairly like a universal powder. You know, they use it in the glow and the dark stars that you'll see on your ceiling. Okay. All of that. So it's just a powder that like, it's just like anything else, you know, like you can, 
like it's this really cool thing that looks really awesome, but you're like, it's just a, you know, a powder. You mix it with stuff, make cool pretty stuff. Standard. So. Okay. so, so is it pretty much you use that same, I guess, base to make something glow, but then you can mix in a ton of different pigments to get the colors. Yeah, exactly. So you've got this okay. and the way it works is I'm, I'm, you know, I'm definitely not an expert, so don't quote me on this, but I believe it's a little tiny crystal that absorbs just energy. So it does really well absorbing UV energy. So like sunlight and then it just slowly emits it. And so just, you know, super basic. It's just a powder. It emits that chemical or the, it, it, it emits the glow. And so you can mix right. black pigment into it and it's still going to glow green. And so depending on the actual makeup of the compound of the strontium illuminate, the color can be different. And this is probably getting a little too deep, but like no, no, red, red glow powder, it's not made out of strontium aluminate. So I'm, I'm oversimplifying it, but there's a, a bunch of different things that glow and they're going to glow the same color, whether or not you add red dye into it or not, or black dye or green dye. So it's something that you can go like really crazy with. And it's, I don't know, it's really cool. Like you've got a red ring that in the dark is green. Like I, I, I know I was just really interested in that. So, That's cool. Yeah. Yeah. So, um, as you build out the business, um, is it, do you find yourself like, well, what drives, I guess the creativity, like, is it your own ideas mixed with, Hey, can you build this versus like the ring community? Like, how are you kind of figuring out what to, what to make next or what materials to incorporate next? It's definitely a mix. I spend obviously so much time researching and trying to find new materials to make new interesting rings out of like. Uh, tritium was one that we did recently and that was really hard to source. They're little vials full of a radioactive gas that because of the coating on the inside makes it glow. And so, yeah. you know, that's just an awesome, cool material, but it's, it's also really tricky to purchase. There's some like weird, and we had our lawyer look into it. It's not that illegal, but like, like there's some really like, <laughs> uh, just vague legality to it. And it's because it can be dangerous in like huge quantities, but okay. the amount that you would be able to fit into a ring doesn't even come close to being anything that would be remotely considered dangerous. So it's just a, a simple thing that is kind of tricky to buy because it's kind of, no one wants to sell it because it's a little bit sketchy. So we had to find Got a supplier it. for that. It was from China. So we ordered it from there. There's a, a long ship time for that. And so that was, and I, I can't even remember the question at this point, but no, 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 that's, that's good. Just how you kind of decide what uh, to build or, or what to make next, yeah, so, like materials. So that's up. just something that you, I don't know you just come across these materials and it's obviously as a ring maker, I'm whenever I see something, my first uh, kind of thought is like, huh, I wonder if I could make that into a ring. And so yeah, everything I do is like need to make that into a ring. So it's kind of, I don't know, like an inside joke I have with a lot of my friends. Anything I'm doing, they're like, oh, you want to make this in a ring? Like, don't make fun of me. <laughs> so is uh, from going from when you were just jamming a Dremel mm -hmm. um, around carbon fiber to where you're at now, um, is it mostly like a metal lathe? Is that like what's doing the, yeah. the majority of the work? Okay. So I'd say like probably 70% of the work I do is on the lathe. And I'll I'll probably use like, you know, now that I have access to the tools, there's obviously, you know, every, every job has the best tool to use for it. And so you can do a lot of stuff with just like a lathe and a Dremel, but it's really nice to have a metal bandsaw and a, you know, belt sander, all of that stuff. So 
I'll end up using probably 10 tools throughout the entire ring making process, but the lathe is kind of the essential piece to all of them, basically. Got it. Got it. So what, what the, the move to YouTube, mm-hmm. um, was that a business decision? A, I just want to be part of the community decision or a little bit of both? Um, definitely a little bit of both. So YouTube was something that I've been just, I loved growing up. I, you know, I liked watching like Philip DeFranco. He does his new show yeah. and like, I, I just love YouTube. I think his new show is so much better than sitting down and watching an hour of just the garbage that you see on regular. Right, right. So you skip all the ads, you skip all the fluff stuff, you skip all the depressing, you know, all, all of that. And, and of course, I know news is always depressing no matter how you spin it. So I just, I don't know, I loved that. And I loved the maker community. Jimmy Diresta was someone that I grew up just loving watching his videos. And I was just so just infatuated by that. And so I've always loved YouTube. I've always wanted to get into it. And so just kind of as soon as I had the time and saw the opportunity, that's kind of when I jumped in for the channel, because before that I was just on Instagram. Gotcha. What was the first video that kind of took off on it? Um, I think it was the, you know, some of them, every, everything's, you know, super relative. So like I was probably super pumped yeah. about a 150 views on one video. Maybe I, I can't really right. remember at this point, but the one that sticks out is that ring that I was telling you about earlier. The one that was marble, copper and carbon fiber. It was I'll, I'll okay. go to my channel right now. I'll pull it up. Let's see. Yeah, it's at like almost 550,000 looks oh, like. Wow. Let's see. And was that, was that like my fourth video, third video? So you can see the videos before that, 34,000 views, 13,000 views, and then that one, 550,000 views. So <laughs> yeah. that was, you know, for my old videos that weren't nearly as good or cool, you know, they weren't done super well. The rings weren't as professional, all of that. This was one that I really liked the way the ring turned out. And I put a lot of work into the video and it actually did well over the life of it. And it probably, you know, it's it's been within the past couple of years that it's gotten most of its views, but it maybe got to like five or 10,000 views within a few months. And I was like, that's really awesome. Like, really love that. And one of the biggest things, actually, Jimmy DeResta, I was commenting on one of his videos and I was just like, hey, I just started a, a YouTube channel and it's kind of inspired by Jimmy. It's something that, you know, I've grown up watching Jimmy and I wanted to make my own video. So if you want to check that out, go ahead. And I was kind of just spamming everyone, but I was trying to be genuine and sincere, <laughs> yeah. you know, just right, right. like, I, I really do think I have some content you guys might enjoy. And Jimmy replied to that. He was like, oh, wow, that's awesome. And I was like, wow, that's so cool. Most people would be offended and delete your comment. Jimmy is like a totally different person, you know, he loves everyone. He's super um, just nice about everything. So he's like, that's so cool. And so because he commented on it, the comment got a ton of attention and I got like 150 subscribers that day, which was huge. That was literally just because he replied to my comment. And I think I had like 30 subscribers at that time. So that like really helped kickstart things for me. Yeah, and then you taking it to now, mm-hmm. uh, you were in his shop, it looks like, like in August, yeah. like just a few months so ago. So I just wanted to, you know, things have been going well and we've gotten, you know, we, we got super busy last holiday season with just holiday sales and it took months to kind of recover from that, get new people hired, get them all trained. And so we were just working so hard just for months and months. And then we finally just at the kind of the end of this spring of 2018, we 
I just had enough time that I was like, okay, like I can actually, you know, have free time, do some things that I want. And so I um, worked to try to organize a trip to New York because Jimmy was someone that I knew was there as well as the guy I mentioned earlier. Um, his company is called Carbon Six Rings. He was originally from Idaho. He's living in New York right now. And so I was just like, I'd really like to go visit these guys. They're people who are very successful at what they do and they're similar to me and they've been big inspirations to me. So I was like, it'd be really fun to just go hang out. And so I was eventually able to figure that out. I emailed Jimmy. I was like, hey, can I come up? And he's like, sure. And I was like, what, really? Wow, awesome. So <laughs> I know that was just like a, just a whole lot of fun. I went to New York for a week and hung out with people that I, I don't know, just really looked up to. So I know that was, yeah. that was huge for me. That's neat. Uh, okay, so speaking of the holiday season, mm-hmm. uh, on your on your site right now, you have like order by, I think it's like November 3rd to guarantee by Christmas. Mm-hmm. So I'm guessing it's about to get crazy for you guys. Um, so so flip into the business side of things, mm-hmm. like give us an idea, like how many people are working with you? Um, like just what, yeah. what's the next few months kind of okay. like for you so guys? So we have, I think it's like 11 full-time employees. Um, a good amount of those are full-time ring makers. Whoa, you said 11? Yeah. Is that right? Good Lord. Okay. Yeah. So, <laughs> okay, so we're, sorry. We, we've got like, I don't know, quite the operation going. So we, we spend a lot of time and we've, we're doing a lot of, like we have our supplies company where we sell materials to make rings. And so, yes, you know, yes, we're just okay. branching out for stuff like that. But the majority of the work that's involved with the company is the actual production of the rings as well as just social media stuff. So we spend a ton of time making the rings and, um, Norm, you know, that's, that's just what we, I know all of our rings are made to order. They're custom handmade. And so, um, it just takes a lot of labor and work to make each ring. And, um, I don't know, we, we just have quite a few employees for kind of for our size. Yeah. 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 So what, um, maybe in like after Thanksgiving, mm-hmm. like how many rings are you guys putting out? Like, a um, week? so typically, in a month, we'll usually sell between like three or four hundred rings, and that's uh, yeah, that's just like you know June, July, August, all all that time. There's like slow seasons, busy seasons, but then the uh, holiday season that's when things kind of go f- like three to ten times as many sales. Like depending on the industry that you're in, the holiday season is can be absolutely insane. And so there's kind of just like there's even kind of like a slow season, like right now where it's leading up to that holiday season. Everyone's kind of like saving up, getting ready, preparing. And then yeah. the second that black Friday hits, it's just all out madness. You'll sell as you'll, you'll make as much money in a day as you did the entire previous month. So it just like <laughs> the second black Friday rolls around it, you're just going crazy. And last holiday season was our first holiday season. And so that was, I don't know, just insane for us. We we were just on a <laughs> completely whole new level. So we're like, holy cow, we, we need to get people hired, get people trained. And it's difficult because it takes quite a while to get people trained to make some of the yeah. rings. Some of the rings you can get someone going and it'll probably take them five times as long to make a ring when they're just getting started, but they can still do it even on like their second or third day. And so you can get someone started pretty easily, but there's only so many of the rings they can make. And so a lot of the more tricky and complicated ones, we had a hard time fulfilling and figuring figuring out all the logistics for that. And so we just did our best. Our customer service was like crazy. We we hired someone to do that full time and we were still just behind. And so 
it was just hard. And we were getting people who wouldn't get replied to for like three or four days, even like a week sometimes. And just managing all of that, I don't know, just super stressful, a lot of work. And, you know, we're just working as hard as we could and we still couldn't uh, fulfill all of our orders as quickly as we'd like to. So I, I don't know it's just complete madness. And so we're trying to, to prepare yeah. for this holiday season and be able to manage it a little bit better. Yeah. Would you say that's like, um, when people think of running like their own, maybe small Mm -hmm. business, um, they uh, usually like, it's like, you kind of like idealize, like you kind of get to make what you want and it's fun. You're getting to like work for yourself. Like what's been the biggest, I guess, surprise for you, maybe not on the making side, but I mean, you're, you're having to manage Uh payroll employees. Okay. Yeah. So like now, you know, like our expenses are crazy. We pay for lawyers, pay for payroll, separate accounting, um, insurance. We have a shop, employees, you know, a, a thousand different things. And we've got so much different stuff to manage. So I came from a background where I wanted to make yeah. rings and be creative. And pretty soon there was more background work than I could even handle. So now we have at least three people working behind the scenes to just handle all the business stuff. Okay. And so I went from making rings and loving that being creative and all that too. I I don't get to make rings anymore. I have to deal with these contracts and lawyers and sign all this stuff and uh, work with the new, whatever sponsors of videos. So a lot of stuff that I I got sucked into and I I had to be responsible for. And it was just kind of overwhelming of like, Oh, this isn't necessarily why I got into this. Not something that I wasn't, interested in necessarily, but it's just like, oh, this is not what I expected at all. And those are kind of like the, I think, most important things. When I was starting to get busy, you know, you run out of time. You got to make and fulfill these orders and still try to make like YouTube videos. You're doing it all yourself. And you definitely don't have time, you think, to hire someone and train them to help you out. That's just kind of going to set you back. But it's it's an investment that's so worth it. So you got to I don't know, just go crazy working extra hours, figure it out and get someone to help you. And so that in a few weeks, once they're all trained and running, they can save you a ton of time. And so that was something that kind of, you know, took me back. Obviously, I'm not trying to overestimate what our company can, how many people we can employ. And so I'm trying to do as much as I can because after the holiday season slows down, maybe we're going to have like six really slow months. And so I don't want to have to lay a bunch of people off. So that was really stressful, especially for our first season doing that. And so trying to be as, I don't know, risk-free as possible makes it really tricky. But I think it's something that it's like, yeah, just go out and find like even like hire someone as a part-time intern and you can keep them full-time later. But if they're under the assumption that they're only going to be working there for a few months from the beginning, you don't have to feel bad about not having work for them and having to let them go after a little while. So I think getting as much help as you can is really important. As much help as you could use, that's kind of the best thing that I would say to people who are starting to get crazy busy with what they're doing. Yeah. Gotcha. Um, and then the, the last thing, uh, I kind of want to hit and you mentioned it a little bit, but the, the, mm-hmm. the Patrick Adair, how, actually, how do you pronounce your last name? I feel like I just butchered it. It's Adair. Adair. It's okay. Adair. It, 
done there. Sorry. Uh, but so, yeah, Patrick Adair supplies. So um, mm-hmm. a, a lot of the people listening, um, they may not straight buy a ring, but they'd love to make their own. Mm-hmm. And so um, did you just get a lot of requests from people like, hey, could you just give me a ring blank? I'd love to make this. Kind of what was the thought behind that? Yeah, exactly. So kind of naturally when you're on YouTube, you know, I grew up watching Jimmy Daresta and it was because I wanted to make things. It wasn't because I wanted to buy Jimmy's products. Yeah. But the, it, you, you know, when you're selling supplies to make stuff, the profit margins and the, more importantly, the order amounts are a lot smaller. So if someone's buying $15 of ring supplies, that's a lot harder to make a living than if you're selling like a three or $400 custom ring. Got it. Okay. And so at first I got into the, you know, trying to sell the rings, even though I knew that there's going to be more people interested in the supplies. And so a lot of people were confused, like, why are you trying to sell these rings? Most people just want to watch you make them. I'm like, yeah, but I can't deal with the whole logistics of a big supplies company that needs to run on a lot narrower margins and do more bulk and all of that. And so we've finally been able to get to the point where we're able to launch this. And so it is something that we've known a lot of people would be interested in for a long time. And I think it's something that could be huge that I could even see it overtaking my ring company in, in terms of the just gross income per year. And so it's something that I think there's a huge market for. And I think you're exactly right. Most people watching my videos are more interested in that. And so that's kind of why we launched it. We had so many requests. And so we're just trying to uh, get a product lineup out there as just as fast as we can get a, a good selection of materials for people and make it as easy as possible for someone to get into ring making. Cause ring, ring making as you know, I've, I've done so much of it. It's something that I, I really think is kind of off the radar. There wasn't a single person making ring. No, there, there, there's like jewelers and stuff on YouTube. I'm not trying to sound like a hero, but like I kind of pioneered the ring making genre on YouTube. Like no, no one was really doing it. And I think it's a really cool hobby And I think it's something like very similar to pens. A lot of people like making pens. And I think one thing that's so cool about them is it's not that hard to make a really cool and really nice pen. And, you know, that's, that's relative. It's really hard to make a supercar. Like I can't go out and manufacture seats. I don't know anything about making engines, wheels, all of that. Like that's something that I would love, but is way hard. So let's start smaller is kind of the way I've gone into things. And so rings is something that I think is just very similar to those pens where it's a lot of fun. It's pretty easy to get into. It's not that expensive and you can just have, I don't know, a lot of fun making products that are really awesome. That's something that's amazing to me when I can do something by myself and make something as cool as something that you'd see in a store. I think that's cool. And I think rings are something that are just kind of perfect for that. So yeah, if if you're interested in making rings, we've got that Patrick Adair Supplies website that we're coming out. We're even trying to launch, we're hoping to do it within like a week or so, um, a subscription box that people can oh, cool. sign up for. And every month, we do like a really big discount for it, but we just send them a everything they need to make a certain ring. And obviously they oh, need a cool. lathe yeah. or whatever, but we'd send them the materials and it'd have a theme or kind of a lesson to learn. So maybe... Uh, one month we'd send out some really tricky to work with materials like diamond. Diamond's really hard, so you can't just sand through it. So maybe we do like diamond and ruby, which can be tricky to work with. So we'd send that out. And the goal of that month would be to learn how to work with these materials and make it look nice. And then the next month would be just something completely different where we're trying to master all these different skills under the realm of ring making. 
And so I, I don't know, I just think that's something that could be really cool. And um, we're, we really have high hopes for that. We think it'll be really cool and interesting for people to check out. Yeah, that's, that's crazy. Um, so uh, the last kind of question I had for you, uh, and this is mm-hmm. a super personal one is, mm-hmm. so I see that you have put like flowers and like you've put cash uh, it's, it's like stabilized resin. It sounds like that you kind of mm-hmm. seal it. So uh, where I live, there's a, a football stadium where they, there's basically they have hedges that is like super popular. And okay. it, would it be possible to like basically put like pieces of a hedge, like ground up hedge, in epoxy and then put like wood or something around it? Okay, that's like a doable thing. Yeah, yeah, I'd, I'd love to work with you on that if you're interested. Yeah, totally. Is it? Uh, awesome. When you do something that I guess is living, like a plant like that, does it keep mm-hmm. its color when it's in epoxy? Um, I, it, it can pretty well. It's it, it depends on the, you know, like the flowers that I use for that certain ring. I'm fairly certain that they were dyed with the synthetic dye. Got it. And okay. so obviously that color is going to hold up a lot better. So it just depends. But you can, I've, I've looked into it a little bit because I was also curious Um I'll, you'd be surprised by how well things can keep their color over time. Yeah, that's nuts. Um, okay, so very, very last question. I know I just told you that. Okay. I told you that. I think three times now. <laughs> you're fine. Um, going. All right. So you're basically running like two different companies. From what it sounds like, you have a retail company and you have like a supply company doing a subscription mm-hmm. box. Um, I mean, you're what? Like 21? How old are you? Yeah, exactly. 21. Okay. And what would you like? Looking back to that very first ring you made out of carbon mm-hmm. fiber, like, could you ever have imagined where you're at now? It's, it's tricky. Like I've always wanted to be, well, I, I sound like a hypocrite, like I'm lying. <laughs> I was in school to be an engineer and I say, I've always wanted to be like my own business owner. I've, I've always loved that as, as something that I'd want to do, but yeah. I didn't really see this as the, the kind of end game. I was like, I want to get into rings and do this. And maybe that'll lead to a different company and different things. And of course this can always lead in other directions, but I, you know, I didn't obviously plan for this to grow this fast. And I didn't really think that rings necessarily would be what I do. And I don't have, everyone's like, why do you love rings so much? And it's like, well, I I like rings, but it's, it's something that I do that works. And so, you know, I, I have nothing against rings at all and I love making them, but that doesn't mean that I don't like doing other things, but. It's, it's just kind of where I've ended up and I, I know I'm just <laughs> happy to be where I'm at. Yeah, that's cool. Um, well, sweet. So if people do want to check you out, um, just patrickadairdesigns.com and then um, what was the, and yeah. is it just patrickadairsupplies.com for the yeah, sites? Yeah, so okay. super easy. And you can even, you know, just search Patrick Adair Designs on Google. You'll see my YouTube. I've got links to everything there. Like you can see my Instagram, I've got links to stuff all cool. over everywhere. So just search Patrick Adair. And if you know how to use the internet, you'll be able to find whatever <laughs> yeah, you have. I, I, Yeah. That question kind of at the end, I'm like, why don't you even ask this? People have already well, looked you up while, while I'm talking. It's, it's true. It's, it's a yeah. good, I know, call to action. Uh, good. Uh, well, cool, man. Well, I appreciate your time. I know you're super busy. It sounds like you're about to get real busy, uh, but it was, yeah, a, it was well, a blast. It was, it was really cool to see just how you're building your business as well as making some pretty insane stuff. So. Awesome. Well, yeah. Thank you so much for having me on. All right. Thanks for hanging around to the end. This is where I give you guys a quick update about the things that I have got going on in my shop. Uh, just like last week, I am working on this end table 
that is a kind of traditional shaker style. It's all hardwood. It's actually all walnut. And uh, this last week have been working on the drawer. And so the drawer is going to have a cool design. I'm going to CNC out that uh, is going to be coming up in the next couple days. But uh, the big thing is I've been cutting my first dovetails like ever. So uh, that has been a fun process. I'm actually doing like half blind dovetails. So if you guys don't know what that is, that is basically where if you look at the front, you don't see the little dovetail sticking through because they only go through half of one of the pieces of wood. And uh, it's been it's been cool. It's They're kind of crazy. And uh, it feels like it's always something people talk about. But uh, with the jig, it's actually not super hard to knock out. They're definitely not perfect, but um, they're fun to make. And they're like insanely strong. And something I've thought about doing, I actually love to hear you guys feedback on this is I've always wanted to kind of do a uh, more NPR style kind of story driven This American Life um, episodes to this show. Uh, and actually Keith Decent from the ground up does a great show called From the Ground Up that I encourage you guys to listen to. He does uh, those a little bit, but um, I would kind of want to get into some of the history of some of these things, especially the stories around them. And uh, I was just the other night looking up dovetails and it was like the wikipedia article which take it or leave it it was like dovetails have been around since longer than the written language uh which was which was nuts they're like yeah you can see them in egyptian like pyramids and their coffins you can see uh them throughout time which is which is pretty wild so i was telling my wife it's pretty crazy that i'm gonna see and see uh the front of this thing which is a for the most part a pretty modern technology and then the the drawers are gonna be held together by this thing that's like super super old so uh i'd love to get in some more shows that are maybe a little more story driven give you guys a little more history if you guys would like that though uh let me know over on instagram at the make or break a shop i would uh i would love to do those those take way more time than these interview shows uh, but they're really fun to produce so that's what I got going on in my shop. Um, I think because of that, since this build has taken a little while, I'm actually going to do a video just on the actual dovetail process, not as an expert because I am not one whatsoever. But if you guys kind of have basic tools, like I'm using literally a flush cut saw from Lowe's uh, that bends real bad. I am using a jig uh, that's been super helpful, but it's not super expensive. It, it's the uh, Katsmosis dovetail jig. I had them on the, on the show a little while back. But kind of going through the process, if you guys have never done it before, um, this is me literally doing it the first time. And here are kind of some of the things that I found that I did wrong um, just as a beginner. So that should be coming out here in the next week. And then the actual full build will be done, I'm hoping, next week. And then I'll be able to start on the speaker process, which I've talked about a little bit where uh, I'm actually going to pull this drawer out that I'm working on right now and put in a uh, Bluetooth speaker that is sized to fit that opening. And I'm going to build the speaker and all that kind of stuff, which should be which should be cool. And that'll be a separate video. So I hope you guys are doing awesome. And uh, let me know what you're working on. Shoot me a, uh, a DM over on Instagram or just tag me in a post. I'd uh, love to know the things you guys got going in your shop. And I would love to feature you guys in some upcoming interviews if you have some cool projects. So hope you guys are doing absolutely amazing. And uh, until next time, go make or break something in your shop. See you guys.